is Tuesday, January the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Ash hinders relief efforts in Tonga, and Moderna plans combined COVID and flu jab. First, the world in brief. New Zealand reported significant damage to the west coast of Tonga's main island following an underwater volcanic eruption that caused a tsunami. At least two people were killed by the waves and communications with the Pacific Island nation were cut off. Australia and New Zealand pledged to send aid but ash on the main airport's runway is preventing relief planes from landing. Moderna said it hoped to launch a combined COVID-19 and seasonal flu jab next year. There have been concerns that receiving inoculations against both viruses in quick order would lessen protection. Some health authorities, including Britain's NHS, say there is no evidence for that. Separately, initial results of an Israeli trial suggested that a fourth COVID jab did not offer much more protection against contracting Omicron than a third shot. Officials in Beijing urged people not to order deliveries from overseas as they tried to blame a recent Omicron infection in the city on a package from Canada. If they do receive anything from abroad, it should be opened outside with surgical gloves, they said. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, police arrested two Cathay Pacific flight attendants who broke quarantine rules, sparking fears of a wave of Omicron infections in the territory. Britain will freeze the licence fee, the levy on television ownership that provides most of the BBC's income, for two years. Then it will rise in line with inflation for four years. The governing Conservative Party has long targeted the public service broadcaster. A Labour spokeswoman said the move constituted, quote, cultural vandalism. Negotiations will begin shortly for a new funding charter that will take effect in 2028. The United Arab Emirates promised retaliation after drones directed by healthy rebels killed three people near Abu Dhabi, the capital. The Iran-backed Yemeni militants are at war with a Saudi-led military coalition, which includes the UAE. They have attempted similar attacks in the past, but this was the first deadly assault to be acknowledged by the UAE. America and the UN condemned the attack. American Airlines warned of, quote, catastrophic problems when AT&T and Verizon launched their 5G mobile phone services on Wednesday. In a joint letter, airline CEOs, including those of American Airlines and United Airlines, said the new technology may interfere with older planes' instruments, making some unusable. Quote, tens of thousands of Americans could potentially be stranded overseas, they warned. A court in Paris fined Eric Zemmour, a far-right politician, hoping to run in France's presidential election in April, €10,000, $11,400, for hate speech. The case was brought about against him for comments about migrant children that he had made during a television appearance in 2020. Mr Zemmour's lawyer said he would appeal against the verdict. It is his third such conviction. And figure of the day. 80%. 
the proportion of politically active Americans who think their democratic system needs major changes or complete reform. And now, here's today's agenda. Joe Biden's futile voting rights push. On Tuesday, America's Senate plans to discuss voting rights legislation already passed by the House of Representatives. Short of 10 Republican backers, it is predestined to fail. Two Democratic senators, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, said they would not suspend the filibuster, a manoeuvre that lets a minority block legislation that cannot get 60 votes to pass it. That makes this week's exercise a waste of political capital by Joe Biden, who recently failed to secure his signature climate change and social policy bills. Fees of voter suppression may be overblown, and voter identification laws enacted between 2008 and 2018 had no negative effect on registration or turnout. But Republicans have been mucking about with election certification mechanics and tightening photo ID and postal ballot rules. They are plainly trying to create a voting regime that will skew to their benefit. It's just they have not yet found an effective method. Trial and treason in Ukraine War with Russia hangs in the air. But a different nemesis preoccupies Vladimir Zelensky. Last month his government charged Petro Poroshenko, Mr Zelensky's predecessor as president of Ukraine, and his rival, with high treason while he was abroad. Mr Poroshenko returned to Kyiv on Monday in full political prisoner mode, chased by reporters across town as he went from an impromptu rally to court. His choice of return date, January 17th, echoes Alexei Nalvani's return to Moscow last year. Unlike Mr Nalvani, Mr Poroshenko has so far avoided arrest and jail. The case relates to state firms' purchase of coal from the breakaway regions of Danyesk and Lugansk during Mr Poroshenko's tenure. Mr Poroshenko denies wrongdoing, claiming the charges are politically motivated. If true, it would show how far Ukraine is from becoming a fully-fledged democracy. More immediately, Ukrainians might worry that Mr Zelensky is letting petty rivalries distract him while the enemy is at the gates. Unilever's bid for GSK Unilever is not about to give up on GlaxoSmithKline. Despite three unsuccessful and unsolicited bids, the consumer goods giant has signalled that it is still pursuing a mammoth deal for GSK's consumer health unit, home to brands such as Sensodyne, a toothpaste, and Panadol, a painkiller. GSK claimed that the latest bid of £50 billion, $68 billion, quote, fundamentally undervalued the business. Unilever, owner of brands such as Dove Soap and Ben and & Jerry's Ice Cream, views the GSK unit as a strategic fit. The acquisition, it believes, would be an opportunity to expand its portfolio in America, China and India. That could help it to take on rivals such as Nestle and Procter & Gamble. 
If completed, the buyout would be one of the largest deals signed between companies listed in London and Unilever's first big purchase under Alan Jope, boss since 2019. Reports suggest Unilever would need to cough up at least another £10 billion to be in with a shot. Art on trial in SCOTUS Taking a break from domestic disputes, on Tuesday America's Supreme Court wades into a saga of international intrigue nearly a century old. In Casera v. Thiston Bornemisa, Collection Foundation, the descendants of a Holocaust survivor hopes to retrieve a French Impressionist painting confiscated by the Nazis. When Lily Casera and her husband emigrated from Germany in 1939, the price of their visa was to sell Pisario's Rue Saint-Honoré, afternoon rain effect, currently valued at $30 million, for $360. The painting wended its way across Europe to America, changing hands several more times before being bought by a European baron and later acquired by an art fund backed by the Spanish state. Unable to convince the Thiston Bornemisa Museum in Madrid to return the painting, in 2005, Casera's grandson brought a suit under the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, which under certain conditions gave federal court jurisdiction over foreign states. Now SCOTUS will consider how to determine if the Spanish Museum is its legitimate owner. Assessing Davos Man For a second consecutive year, COVID-19 has prevented the global elite from rubbing shoulders at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Yet the world should have seen through their pretensions long ago, writes Peter Goodman of the New York Times. In Davos Man, How the Billionaires Devoured the World, published on Tuesday, Mr Goodman documents how the super-rich build their fortunes and then shield them from tax authorities, weakening governments and polarising society. It is a stirring book, but it is undermined by the author's determination to pin every unsettling development on the billionaire class, while ignoring the role of the consumers they serve. Jeff Bezos, whatever his faults, could not have grown rich without the eager patronage of ordinary shoppers. Other problems identified by Mr Goodman, such as voters' antipathy towards refugees and support for nativist politicians, are neither explained nor excused by the misbehaviour of the rich. Voters deserve at least some blame for what has gone wrong in their societies. Winter Quiz, Week 6. The battle with our baristas grinds on. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Tuesday. Which species has variants called the clouded yellow, painted lady and red admiral? 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from A.A. Milne, who was born on this day in 1882. It is more fun to talk with someone who doesn't use long, difficult words, but rather short, easy words like, what about lunch? That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.